that's where a lot of times people will come to me and say, Phil, I don't even want to touch the acronym. And I'm like, good. You don't need to because if it doesn't work for you, I don't need you using it. But if you find a technique that works for you to answer the questions, use it because your comfortability is going to reduce your anxiety because you're going to have some predictability during the exam. Hey guys, it's Phil coming back at you with another episode on the Fill in the Gaps podcast. Today I'm going to be interacting with people who are struggling to pass their exams. I'm going to provide some tips on how to combat the urges to compare your journey to someone else's. You are going to hear about my journey in particular. I'm going to provide information on the difference between validity and reliability and motivation to people that are feeling unmotivated due to their exams getting canceled by COVID or Maybe you just failed your exam in general, and all of those different things are different considerations that we will be examining today, and for those that do not know, Audible has agreed to sponsor both my YouTube videos and my podcast, so if you want to support me as well as support them, go to my Audible affiliate link at audibletrial.com slash fill in the gaps, sign up for the 30-day free trial, get yourself a free book. It helps me out quite a bit as well as can help you out. And for those that don't know what Audible is, it's an easy way to obtain information and try to advance yourself while having a busy schedule on the go because it allows for you to listen to audiobooks so that you don't have to physically sit down and read the books and get the information nonetheless. So if you're interested in that, go to my Audible affiliate link at audibletrial.com slash fill in the gaps, sign up for the 30-day free trial. Get yourself a free book, and if you're like, Phil, I'm not that into books, or I'm not really sure what book I should look into, there are three that I would recommend. They are The Alchemist, Just Mercy, and Outliers. Each of them have different lessons and things that can contribute to your situation in a positive way. It really, really means a lot to me for those that have signed up already, and if you haven't signed up already, just do so because it really helps me out. If you want to connect with me directly, then send me an email at berda24 at gmail.com or go to my Facebook page at fill in the gaps. And like I said, from the bottom of my heart, guys, all those are repping and rocking with me in the fill in the gaps community. I really, really appreciate it. If you want to help me out in a different way, then leave a review on this podcast so that other social workers or other people in general can find us, know that it's helpful and that it, we're trying to change lives in a positive way. But Sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode, guys. Phil, when do you self-disclose to a client? This is a very, very tricky situation because depends on which school of thought you come from. Some people will say self-disclosure is never a positive thing. The other side of the spectrum will say self-disclose when you feel is necessary. Where I sit on the situation is it's never about us So if you are going to share something about yourself with the client, there has to be a point in particular way of doing it. Most times, people are not going to be able to delicately put something about themselves without making the situation about them. In this situation, you need to be able to say, if I cannot 
stay objective about what I'm describing to the client and it's not too much about me, then I'm not going to do it. So my point is, if you're going to self-disclose, you best have ninja skills to be able to navigate the situation. Personally, I try not to ever self-disclose in my practice. It doesn't mean that I don't know how, but in my mind, what I'm trying to self-disclose to get to the client, they may not be ready for, or if I tell them the lesson I want them to hear, they're not going to own it and resonate with it as much as they would if they directly experienced it. So for example, let's say, well, I'm in substance use. I'm a substance use and mental health therapist during the day. Full-time job. So when I'm working with clients that have substance use disorders, I'm not automatically like, hey, my name is Phil and I'm sober from substances for two plus years. I'm not saying that. That's not setting the tone for that. But if a client's describing like, man, it's really hard for me to go to parties and have everyone around me utilizing substances, I feel so triggered. I could easily say, I know exactly what you're experiencing because I'm sober and I go to parties and people are drinking around me and it can make me feel uncomfortable some ways. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to resonate and reflect like, it must be really difficult for you to be in environments where other people are doing different things than you are. And then we can hone and get them to feel that experience without me self-disclosing my own experience with them. So to that, when do you do it? Rarely, unless you're like a ninja skill and there's a lesson behind it because the client is going to best get the experience and lesson from what they say rather than what you share about yourself and make it about you. So when do you do it? It's up to the person. Personally, I do not do it because it can jade and change the therapeutic process pretty quickly because it's like the social worker taking control of the situation and not letting the client sit within their situation and direct the car. It's like if you're driving down the, the expressway with somebody, you're scared that someone's going to sideswipe someone so you grab the steering wheel and jerk it. It's going to scare the person and you don't know if you're about to roll the car. Tips on how to stay motivated after you have failed the test twice. Hi, can you hear me? Yeah, how's it going? Hi. Um, yeah, so I guess I'll talk a little bit about my experience. Um, I graduated in May uh, from my master's. I went to take my test in September um, and I failed. I was absolutely devastated. I failed by seven points. So then I went back and I rescheduled it. Um, I took it in December and I felt more confident going in there. Um, I had changed up uh, my studying. Um, and then I failed it again by 10 points. So by that time, I was still upset, but more frustrated at the fact that I, I can't believe I had failed a second time. Um, just really like been doubting myself that I really don't belong in this field. Um, and people always tell me, you know, the test doesn't, um, you know, it has nothing to do with whether you belong in this field or not. Um, but I'm just having a really difficult time, I guess, with that. And I scheduled it again, but with the virus, it's got pushed back and I have to, um, I was scheduled to take it at the end of March and that's when it was canceled. Um, so now I'm studying and I'm not sure the next time I'll be taking it. Um, so I'm just trying to keep my motivation here. And I don't know, it just gets hard when you see other people around you passing. Like my friend would text me and say, oh, I just passed my exam. And that was their first try. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. 
do you believe that you've actually processed and grieved the two fails? Um, I don't know. I've been trying to. I think it's been kind of difficult because I do work full time. Um, even in this virus, I am still working. Um, I, I don't know. I feel like some days I'm able to and then other days it'll hit me. What would this license do for you? Like what would passing the exam actually do for you? Well, my end goal is to eventually open up my private practice, uh, private practice. Um, so I eventually need to receive my LCSW. Um, but I mean, for the LMSW, I need that for, um, my job. And I think it would just, again, help me to get to, um, you know, my end goal. Um, and it would also help me to move on to other jobs. And, you know, right now I'm, I'm a case manager, so I'm not really doing one-on-one -on -one therapy. And that's really, um, what I've always wanted to do with my life. So it would give me more opportunities, um, but that way, because every time I look for jobs, it's you need your, your license. So this is a difficult situation. So there's multiple levels. So on the one side of the coin, you're like, other people are passing and I feel inadequate based on the fact that I'm not passing and why aren't I passing? And then the other side, you're like, I still have goals that I want to accomplish and they're unique to me. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. So the way that you would address them is two different ways. The first is knowing that you're uniquely powerful for who you are. Like you don't, you don't need this exam to tell you like you're going to do great things as long as you go through great journeys. Mm -hmm. And the biggest thing that you said is my friend passed their test. They let me know and I'm mad. That is when you know you're internally struggling with why aren't I good enough? Mm-hmm. But the thing you have to tell yourself is they didn't take the same test as I did. They took the same credentialed exam, but the questions were different. This isn't college anymore where you take the same test. I take the same test. I get a higher grade than you. I'm blowing it out of the sky. This is not the same questions. So you cannot compare what you're doing with what they've done or what you've done with what they did. Mm-hmm. You guys had two different separate experiences and you just have to tell yourself they did it on the first try. I'm glad that they did because this turmoil I'm going through right now, I would not wish on anybody, but how great is this experience going to set me up to have a private practice? Yeah. I mean, I keep telling myself once I do pass, you know, it's gonna, I'm going to appreciate the exam, I don't, my license even more because of the fact that I failed before. And, you know, I, I did feel um, kind of like how a lot of other people said, felt very alone when I failed because I just didn't hear of anybody else failing um, until I, I was grateful that I found your videos because I, now I know I'm not alone. Um, and it's, that's kind of helped me as well to kind of keep my motivation up. And that's, and that's why I do this is because most times people are sitting in their situation and saying, I'm alone. I'm the unique situation and everyone else is in the in club. And that's yeah, what you have to tell yourself is I'm on the outside of this club, but my club is so much better because I'm getting the experience. 
that per so for example, this person that passed on the first try, nothing against them or anything, and not wishing bad on them. But if they go to try and start a project and it doesn't go well, they may be less equipped to the adversity than you are. Yeah. Let's say you both start a private practice at the same time. Theirs doesn't go well. Yours doesn't go well. You're thinking, yo, I've been here before. I know things don't go well the first time around, but I'm not going to give up. Let's say they are like, dude, I don't know why I did it. And you're like, okay, you can stop doing the private practice game. I'm going to stay in the game because I know what it feels like to be in the fire. I love the heat actually, because I'm getting lessons so that why private practice is going to survive the test of time because the things that you've been through are leading you to where you need to go. You know what I mean? And that's the difference of the perspective. And I'm not saying like people have to go through a ton of stuff to get the experience, but you know actively that you can put in everything that you have and not go right. But if you don't give up, you're still going to get the result that everyone else has. Yeah. Thank you for that. Um, you know, it's, it's just a shame because I hear, you know, people that say, you know, I guessed on this and I guessed on that and I was able to pass it. And it's, you know, also another thing that struggles is it is a lot of information. And I think, you know, when I'm taking like practice exams, I think maybe where I go wrong is I'll maybe again with my anxiety, cause I'm not a good test taker and I get very anxious. Um, and also I think maybe I'm not absorbing everything in the scenario. I think I really need to just take more time with reading the question and really um, taking all every detail of it. From my perspective, the first thing that you need to address to even get past this situation is mm -hmm. forgiving yourself for not being where you thought you would be at this point in your career, letting that go so that way you're fresh and able to fly. Because in your mind, every time you hear the exam, you picture of where you wanted to be right now. And since you're not there, you're like, mm. it burns. It literally burns. Yeah, I was, I was heartbroken when I failed. I, I cried for days. <laughs> and then second time, same thing. And, and now I just, I really just, I really just want to pass this. And I feel you. You need to let go of that other stuff and then get down and say, I am a good test taker. I just take tests in a different way than other people. I do get anxious in situations that I'm not sure what's about to happen. That does not mean that I can prevent myself from getting the result I need because I will identify things that will calm me down. And that's going to be getting a routine, understanding what I do, what I don't do, and how I can adapt my approach to myself. Thank you for, for taking the time to, to speak with me and, and have this video. Like I said, you've been very, very helpful and I'm very grateful I've been watching your videos. Um, I wish I found you before the first time I took my exam, but again, there's a reason. You know, I believe everything happens for a reason. There's a reason that I, I found you and your videos after I took it twice. So thank you. And it's my pleasure to be able to do it. Like, I feel like most times when they watch my videos or hear me talk or like join the study groups and stuff, they're like, man, he must have had it easy. He must have did, did everything right. And I did do a lot of things right. Don't get me wrong. Like for those that know, I did pass my exam on the first time. But mm -hmm. what went into me passing that exam that first time led me up to that point. Like my situation was not the easiest ever. 
Like most people when that, if they had the same deck of cards as mine, might've just been like, whoa. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't grow up in the greatest environment. I wasn't even supposed to get into college. No one's been to college in my family. I had to do a lot of things on my own. I had to go through a lot of things. I had a substance use past. I had to set all that aside and say, did, do you want to end up like everyone else that has come before you? Or do you want to start doing things that no one has ever done, even though you don't even feel like you belong in that environment? And it's, it's not an easy process. And it's not easy for me to, to talk about, but I know, I know it's helping some people is when you go into environments where you don't feel like you belong, sit there anyway, because you'll at least get something out of the experience. So when I went to the to Central Michigan University, it's not like the best university in the country. No one's like, man, I need to go to Central Michigan University. But it was the only university I went to because the teacher in high school looked at me and said, I think you can go to college. I was like, this lady's wild. But this is the same teacher that when I was a sophomore in high school, heard me say pheasant instead of peasant. As a high school student, we're sitting here reading. You know how you'd go around the class and read about history? I said pheasant. Everybody thought I was cracking jokes. So they're laughing. I'm like, man, they're having a good time. Apparently history is good to them today. She looked at me and said, you know, that's peasant, right? I was like, what? She's like, yeah, there's no H. I was like, yo, I ain't never heard of a peasant before. I've seen the birds. Like I've seen pheasants. So then through her like believing in me and be like, okay, so you may not know words very well, but you can take a test and kill it. So then I was like, yo, what's that flag on the wall? It was a big like fly and see if you know Central Michigan. And she's like, Central Michigan University where I went to school. I was like, yo, I'm going to school so I can learn how to empower people like she did. Mm-hmm. I wasn't the most likely to succeed in high school. <laughs> so when, and the coolest part about it was, like I said, nothing happens by mistake. We, I stayed after school to help her set up for a Christmas party or something. I got a call from my mom. She's like, yo, you got something in the mail. I was like, what? She opened it. Acceptance letter. I got to look that teacher in the face and say, I'm going to be a Chippewa just like you. <laughs> so then I, I go to college. And those have been rocking with me in all the story, but I'll tell again. Um, so when you go to college, you have to write a lot of papers. You have to write a lot of papers, actually. I never really learned how to write collegiately. So every single day, that first year of college, I went to the writing center. Every day. I'd walk in, they'd be like, what do you need to work on? I undid the changes that you, want, you had me do, so that way I could ha- hear how this person would change it. So I was just a chameleon. So then I walked up to a um, school counselor to, to figure out, because you had to pick a major, right? I was like, I don't know what I want to do. I just came here because... <laughs> people wanted me to so then they're like take this social work class and take this business class and then social work and then I started getting friends and I learned that people like you when you're you're smart so I started reading a lot and then I applied to one school in in grad school I googled the best school in the country you know what school that is what the University of Michigan Ann Arbor I was like man I'm going there 
So then the only school I applied to, I get in. Imagine being in an environment where everyone's super smart and you don't feel you belong. Do you know how uncomfortable that is? Very uncomfortable. So then I get into this environment where I can do presentations. So then I learn I can teach. And then I graduate. And then I'm like, dang, I hope I can get a job. And then life situations happen. Let's just say that. Um, I want to build my self-esteem up. So then I take the exam, I pass it. And then without another goal, I'm like, yo, what do I do? So then I set another goal of myself and was like, let's pay my student loans off. And then I did that. And then I whipped out a camera. I was like, wonder if I can do this. But do you know how many videos don't get any views on YouTube? Millions. So then I was like, yo, let's just try and do this. And now it's, it's here. So like I said, I know what it feels like to be on the outside and have no support or have other people succeeding in doing other things that you aren't doing. It's not a good feeling, but you have to put that aside and say, I have my own unique superpower and what I do really well is this. And I had to go through all of those things to now sustain and do this. Mm. So how to get motivated is let go of where you think you should be and be where you're supposed to be and know that you didn't fail by a bunch. Mm-hmm. You were in the ballpark. You were there. Couple here and there, different changes. And I want to help. So send me an email and I'll let you in the study group on Sunday so that way you can sit, hear the information and see how I break down the questions and see if it works for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, thank you for what you said about, you know, you think I first have to start by forgiving myself and that's what I've, uh, you know, I've been trying to do. Cause I like, you're right. I'm still in that mindset where I should have passed and I would have been able to do this and had so many more experiences by now and been in a different place in my life. And I'm just trying to just let go of that and realize, you know, there's again, a reason I didn't pass the first two times and you know, who knows, you know, what's going to happen when I do pass it, what this experience is going to be like. And, you know, who I can share this with. Exactly. Like when we're in situations, we're like, dude, why did I have to go through this? Yeah. And it's like, why don't you believe that you're going through this to teach somebody else? Mm. Do you think I would be able to help as many people as I have by succeeding in everything I did? Do you know how different my mindset would be when interacting with people if I thought I could do everything the first time? Yeah. Y'all would probably think I was pretty damn arrogant, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> Y'all would be like, this dude talks too damn much and he, he only cares about himself. But since I know what it feels like not to succeed or not do something the first time or not or have a unique way of doing things, then I wouldn't be able to provide as pure-hearted stuff as I do. Mm-hmm. And with that, you just have to say, this is where I wanted to be. This is where I'm at right now. And it doesn't equal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you, Phil. It's my pleasure. And like I said, just reach out to me and I'm going to let you in the study group on Sunday. I wasn't just saying that for lip service. Like, oh. <laughs> it's, it's at that time when you know you're not alone and you get into a community of other people that are as hungry and motivated as you are that you blow up. You know what I mean? Like, and I, I'm blessed. Like I met my roommate that I currently have at U of M. He's a nurse practitioner and 
he's studying to go to med school and all of this stuff. And me and him both have a fascination about stories that people struggle and still succeed. Mm-hmm. And he, he recently started wa- watching things about Mike Tyson. And Mike Tyson didn't have an easy situation. And I, and I say this to say, if things didn't happen in the particular way that they did, it would have been a different situation. Like if you would have passed the exam the first time, you might be in a different position than you are now. That would be a path that you don't even want to be in. Mm-hmm. No, I, I, I completely agree with that. Keep trying and keep fighting. Oh, thank you. It is my pleasure. Thank you for the question. All right. I've taken the test twice. Not a good test taker. Do you have to get all the questions right in order to pass? Okay. Hey, Phil. Thank you so much. Everything you said to that young lady just now was pertaining to me. I got so much identification from her and her story, and you just you just hit the ball right out of the park. I'm like, oh, my God, he's talking to me as well. I'm not a great taste, test taker. Um, I did graduate from high school. I got my GED. Okay, um, I didn't graduate from high school. I got my GED. I took the GED test seven times before I finally got my GED. I've taken the uh, license exam twice now. And I know I'm not a great test, test taker. And so I'm like, I'm a woman of a certain age. Okay, so I'm not young. I'm in the vocational field and I work for the state. And I went to LIU and I got my master's degree in forensic social work. And I want to use it before I um, get to that age, whereas I'm ready to retire. So I'm, I'm going to reinvent myself. And I have the master's degree to do so, but I need the license in order to make it come to fruition. And I, like I said, I've taken a test twice already. Um, I did not do great on both tests. And um, I want to know, do you have to get them all right to get a passing score? So you do not have to get them all right. So the amount of questions you have to answer correct is a spectrum. So the lowest I've ever seen is a 96. The highest I've ever seen is a 106. So that means you have to get 96 correct or 106 correct. And the way that it varies is the rigor of the the question. So the 96 exam is quote unquote more difficult. So that's why it requires less. The 106 is higher because it's quote unquote an easier exam. You don't know which version of the exam that you're taking when you take it. So that's why I always tell people, give it everything you have. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, there's a lot of material to study. So I hear that um, you should not study the practice test. You should study the material, but there's just so much material to study. Yeah. And that's the thing is you don't have to study it all. You simply just have to be able to sit with it and notice it in the exam. Okay. Okay. I'm going to hang with you though, Phil, because I like you. Um, I was glad when I found you. And I was like, oh my God, I found somebody I can study with. So I'm going to get into your study group. I'm going to email you, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, the best way to get a hold of me is sending me an email. But I don't want to leave you empty-handed. So you can take your GED experience and apply it to this exam. 
Because if somebody can walk into a test seven times and still be excited to take it, you can do that with this exam. Because you have something other people don't have. You've been able to walk into a situation, put everything on the line, and then still not get to where you want to go. But on that seventh time, it was like you passed it on the first. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm emotional. I just want to get this license so that I can help people on a different level than what I am now. Um, right now, and, and you're, you're absolutely correct. Um, I need to let go of way of thinking that I shouldn't be where I am. I am where I am because I'm supposed to be where I am. You know, and maybe God is keeping me there because there's so much I need, so much more I need to learn before he moves me forward to becoming a social. You know, I don't know. I don't have all the answers, but I know that I'm so ready to move in my professional career. One, because of my age. And two, because I'm so bored with where I am. And that's the thing is, as humans, we want to progress. But like you said, Sometimes situations that we want aren't actually what we're supposed to be doing. And when I was sharing my experience, if I would have gotten into U of M earlier in my life, it might've been a different story. I wouldn't have had the emotional maturity to be able to handle it. If Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have put everything that I had on the line to pay off my student loans, I wouldn't be able to manage what I do right now. I would be too immature for the situation Uh because I had to go through that situation of hard work equals results. So you don't have to see the results immediately. When I was putting out videos, no one was watching them, but I kept putting them out. I kept putting them out and I kept putting them out and I did study groups and I kept doing the study groups and I kept doing the tutoring and then I got better and better and better and better and better and better. So the result that you see right now is the same person I was back then. I just have a bigger audience and sharper tool, but the tool is still the same way. Well, I'm, I'm planning on hanging in there because like I said, I do want to reinvent myself before I totally reach that age of retirement. Um, because there's so many people that I can help. I know I, there's so many people I can help on a different level from where I am now. So I'm just going to hang in there and I'm going to um, stick with you, Phil. You're great. You're great. And I thank you so much for having this group tonight. Thank you. It is my pleasure to be able to help. And like I said, best way to get a hold of me, send me an email. Yes, I will. Thank you. Yep. Take care of yourself. Can you talk about some strategies with ethics questions or how to study those? Yes. So ethics questions are going to be around the code of ethics. And I, it's kind of like blankly stated. You're like, well, no, duh. But not just the specifics of the code of ethics, but what would the ethical chain of command look like, or what considerations are more prevalent in ethics? So for example, you may have a client that's suicidal, and sometimes people are like, I need to assess the suicide, but we need to figure out how we're getting that information at this given time. So if it's not coming directly from the person that they're suicidal, we need to reach out to that person before reacting in a way that might not be as ethically sound as if we heard it directly from them. Or... I've done questions where there's an interpreter in the situation, 
the interpreter is not ethically supposed to interpret in that situation, such as a family member, and we wouldn't address the suicide right up front because the way we're getting the information, we don't even know if it's accurate because the bias that could be behind the situation due to familial stratification and stuff like that. So that's where you have to get inside of the code of ethics and say, what are the common themes that I see? But also, what does this look in practice and how would it exercise rather than just being able to memorize all these different things at this given time? So how would I suggest doing this? Again, any way that I would tell you how to do it is break down the question, pick out the key details, analyze and eliminate answers that you don't think it is, and then compare the two answers that are left or the answer that you have back to the question to make sure it connects because every single question needs to be congruent with the question connecting to the answers and the answers connecting back to the questions. So that's how it answered that. What's the difference between validity and reliability? Today at an NASW meeting, they said the test is reliable, but not valid. Do you know why? All right. So I'll define the two different concepts and then I'll try to interpret a message that I wasn't there for. So with validity, so anything that is valid is something that is found to be true. So there's multiple different types of validity. So there's internal validity, external validity, concurrent validity, and predictive validity. So internal validity is where inside of the controlled environment, it is shown to be true. So for example, let's give, let's give it straight up an example. So let's say Phil's Sunday study groups. The purpose of my study groups are to have people understand the information better and have a higher likelihood of passing their exams. So if it was internally valid, when people are inside, aka in, internal, when it's inside of something, aka the study groups, they understand the information better and they're answering the questions that I provide in a better manner. External validity is external, meaning outside of that controlled environment, are they getting the same results than they did inside of it? So let's say you went to the Sunday study group, you understand the information, then you answer the questions correctly. Then you look at it later when I send you the recording, you're like, crap, I don't really understand this a whole lot. He was actually really confusing. It would lack external validity for you in that situation. And then concurrent and predictive concurrent is, is what is going on right now comparable to other things that people are doing as well as what was done before. And the predictive is where you try to predict the results of a current situation. So validity is essentially is what we want to happen happening. So if people are walking into the exam and they pass the exam, are they a competent social worker and able to carry out the duties? Yes or no. And then reliability, reliability, think of if somebody's reliable in your life. You can count on them and the results are going to be consistent over time and with repetition. So is it valid and reliable? So the, they said the test is reliable. So consistently when people that are quote unquote competent, are they answering the majority of them correct or incorrect? Or if we had two people take the test and they had were quote unquote competent, would they be able to take it? So reliability is over time, the results are stated that it is going to breed and equal somebody being competent in the situation. Valid would be, are we able to actually concurrently say that the results make that person 
competent. Meaning if somebody passes the test, doesn't mean they're competent or not. That's where it lacks validity. Reliability is people that take the test that are quote unquote competent are able to pass. So that's the difference between the two. Validity, are we able to find what we want to find? Reliability, are we able to get results consistently over time? Or if somebody else is to carry out the research study or whatever we're doing, they get similar results than we did when we did it. So that is how we'd parse it out. So why did they say that? Um, so the test, I would say, is not technically quote-unquote valid because it doesn't coin someone as a competent social worker or an incompetent because there are people that are really, really great social workers, but due to outside factors, which typically affects validity, they don't pass the exam. Or there's people with outside factors that pass the exam and they aren't very good at being a social worker. Reliability, what do I say it's reliable? I would say so because most people that walk into the exam with similar techniques and strategies and insight typically get similar results. So if you're only doing a certain strategy and it's not deeply looking and analyzing and parsing through the, the answers, I would say it's pretty li reliable that if you're not looking and like second guessing or jumping to conclusions that you'll get the results of not passing. So I would kind of agree with the statement, but I would need a little more background information. I failed my exam in December, scheduled to take it in March, and then got it pushed back to May 1st. I feel like my anxiety is beginning to take over and I'm afraid I'm losing the information and I'm going to end up failing again. Not sure how I should move forward for the next few weeks to continue being efficient and fresh with knowledge. Hello. How is it going? It's going. I'm lucky to still be working from home. So that's definitely a positive with all of this mess happening. I am very routine. So now that I have kind of had my routine messed up with the test and my work schedule, I've been a little bit all over the place. But I, so I took a break from studying for about a week when I found out that my exam was canceled for March because I needed to process that. Um, and then I started to study again about four days a week for about an hour at a time. I don't pay attention for long periods of time. So that's about all that I can do, um, which I'm completely fine with. But now that I'm just getting worried that I'm going to kind of lose what I've been doing since really since before December um, when I was preparing for my first attempt. And I, so I, my exam was harder. I needed 103 to pass and I got a hundred questions right. Um, so I failed by three, but I've been super, super motivated and excited to take it. And then it got canceled in March. So I'm just trying to kind of wrap my head around these next few weeks because I am still anticipating taking it on May 1st um, until otherwise <laughs> established. Um, so just kind of trying to figure out, you know, any tips for, navigating these next few weeks leading up to my exam potentially so first off i want to say it's really good that you took a week off to process and analyze the feelings that you were experiencing rather than just shunning them away and saying i'm a robot well thanks i tried you got to feel the feels <laughs> and as as clinicians or therapists or social workers or whatever we want to put the title to be at this given moment we tend to not take our own advice so i Again, I really want to commend you for 
taking that advice that you probably give other people and treating yourself as a human. But beyond that, what I would say is sit down with yourself and say, what do I need in these next three weeks or two weeks, two and a half weeks to make myself feel better in this situation? Because the thing that you have to remind yourself is, is in December, you were close. So we don't have to blow up the entire house. We just simply have to sharpen, polish, and refine what we need to see in order to succeed because you are on the right path. And I'm sure your thought of losing information is simply that it's not on the forefront of your mind, but when push comes to shove, you're going to be able to recall it and get it out of you. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Cause I'm not, I'm not as actively thinking about even just like professionally, I'm not actively thinking about um, everything social work related right now because of all of the changes. So that does make sense. And that's where you have to give yourself credit. You process the loss of not taking the exam, but you have to give yourself credit for what you put into these last four months and what you can put into the next two weeks. Because with only like, okay, two and a half weeks, what can you do in this moment to make sure you don't spill over or burn out? Because there's two continuums. Spilling over means that you're overloaded. Burnt out means I don't even want to look at a piece of it. And we can be on both sides of the spectrum at the same time. So that's where you have to sit down with yourself and say, in these next two and a half weeks, what would make me feel most comfortable and confident walking into the exam? Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. That makes me feel a little better. (laughs) Thank you. It's my pleasure. And there's not one size fits all, but you know yourself better than anyone can. And you just felt like, dude, I'm not doing enough or I didn't get to see the result of my preparation before. So I might have to do it over again because I didn't do it right the first time. And you don't know that. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Okay. Well, thanks. Appreciate it. It is my pleasure. And if you need anything in the meantime, just let me know. Thanks. Hi, Phil. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. What's up? Um, thank you. So I just want to talk about a little bit about um, reporting to your supervisor because I've taken the test also um, three times and I unfortunately failed. Um, and just reviewing and studying, I know a lot of people um, say do not go to the supervisor. However, when I did a couple of your um, YouTube videos, one of the questions reported that you were able to go to the supervisor. So I just want to talk a little bit about if that makes sense. Yeah. So what you're saying is somebody or a group of people told you never go to your supervisor. That's a bad answer always. No, when studying like the ASWB and all the, the books that I've been using. Okay. Well, that's what I mean is you read something that said, yeah. don't ever go to a supervisor. That's a bad answer, right? Right. Correct. Is that true? No. (laughs) Exactly. And that's where, as I said before, it's like every piece of information is not good piece of information because whenever we have struggles or questions or clinical dilemmas or ethical dilemmas, if you want to say that, who do we go to? Our supervisor. Exactly. So that's where... If you feel that like burning stomach feeling like, well, this person said this, but I know this in my heart to be true. I wouldn't listen to that person because they don't have any backing that's telling me the right thing. Because 
most study programs are going to speak in black and white terms and are going to say, never do this, never do that. But at the end of the day, they don't know the exact questions you're about to get. And as social workers, we're not experts in everything. So we do need to seek supervision. We do need to find other alternatives to get information and the techniques and just process with somebody in some capacity. So that's what I would say to like, is supervision ever a good thing? Yeah, it's really, really great. And most times people are going to tell you, well, just refer out. The only time that you want to refer out in an ethical situation, if you will, is if the client brings something into the situation that you can't go to supervision or process out. For example, clients attracted to you, you have a dual relationship, you have a conflict of interest, et cetera. Those things, we can't just go to supervision and be like, all right, so what's the move here? Right. And I think that was one of the questions that you did post on one of your videos is that one of the client was starting to gain feelings for the therapist. So that's when they obviously were referred out, correct? Mm -hmm. In that case. And on the other side of the coin, if we bring something into the therapeutic realm, it's not the client's responsibility. So I'm either going to go to supervision or subsequently seek out therapy because I'm a barrier in this client's situation. Okay. So that's the thing of being always like, well, it's always this way or it's always that way. Getting the particular details of why you're doing a situation is way more important than being able to walk into the test and being like, yep, I got the card for this because the answer is always going to be on the page. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. So I'm also scheduled to take my test May 20th because I'm from Connecticut, but they just said that they're not opening the schools and non-essentials until May 20th. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Just try to keep the faith, keep studying, keep processing and making sure that your mental is as strong as the skill that you're bringing into it. Yeah. Okay. I appreciate it. And I'm going to join, I believe your study because I've done your study sessions as well on Sunday. So I'm okay. Great. Thank you so much. Yep. And if you need anything else, just reach out. Okay. Hi, I have a question. How's it going? I want to thank you so much for your service. I think you're awesome. I tell all my friends about you and I tell them to watch your videos all the time. <laughs> thank you. I'm from New Jersey and my question is when I'm looking at your videos, sometimes um, I'm still in grad, um, grad school and I'm graduating May 12th. Well, you know, get my diploma and I get confused about the questions like, are these questions on the, LSW or are they on a LCSW or are they two different tests or are the questions the same on both um, exams? I should say not test. Like. So that's a tricky question because if we go to the KSAs, which is the knowledge, skills, and abilities, which is the blueprint and framework of the exams, both KSAs are very, very similar with the master's level being less intervention wise. So you're going to seek supervision more and it's focused on case management in particular. And then the clinical exam is going to have more direct intervention or interpersonal practice type questions. Does that make sense? A little, not much. Yeah. So <laughs> I, know, I know you bought the lease, so I don't want to take up too much of your time. No, that's okay. So the questions work for both exams. The big detail here is if you're wondering if it's relevant to either exam, just take the techniques of how it's being answered 
So regardless of the question that's being put in front of you, that you'd be able to handle it. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Yeah. And that's where a lot of times people will come to me and say, Phil, I don't even want to touch the acronym. And I'm like, good. You don't need to because if it doesn't work for you, I don't need you using it. But if you find a technique that works for you to answer the questions, use it because your comfortability is going to reduce your anxiety because you're going to have some predictability during the exam. Okay. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yep. It's my pleasure. Thank you guys so much for checking out this episode of my podcast. If you have any questions or concerns, send me an email at berda24 at gmail.com or check out my Facebook page at Phil in the gaps. And if you want to help me out in a different way, go to my Audible affiliate link at audibletrial.com slash fill in the gaps. Sign up for the 30-day free trial and get yourself a free book. It helps me out a lot. I really, really appreciate every single one of you guys. Take care of your guys' self. Be safe. I'll see you guys in the next episode. And peace out, guys. <laughs>